I'm Aysan, and this is The Review. City drew 1-1 with Crystal Palace. Manchester lost its mind, but then United went to Anfield and got a 0-0 draw, and then everything felt a lot calmer in Manchester. So I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Howard Hocking first, and also Mr. Paul Balus to discuss the Palace game and loads more things. Morning, Howard. Good morning. So it was a little all over the place intro that I have to say. Yeah. Well, you you sound like you're pretty calm anyway, so that's what we need, <laughs> is it not? So. Well, it's a long time since I've kicked a seat at a football match, but I did it on Saturday. Oh, did you kick the seat? <laughs> did you? <laughs> well, the one in front, yeah, I gave it a good wallop after that penalty was kicking. <laughs> was there somebody in it when you walloped it? Well, everyone stood up, weren't they? Yeah, because yeah. you could see it coming a mile off, so everyone stood up, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. you got to love it. Paul, good morning. How are good you? Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. How's yeah. Barcelona? Bad. But yeah, uh, nothing that, <laughs> that can really surprise you. Um, the city or the football club? <laughs> no, I mean, the, I mean, both of them. I mean, the city is lovely, but it's probably not going through their best moment. But we should discuss like in like lifestyle podcast or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the football club is like still, yeah, struggling to, to find their own like identity. And yeah, just... You mean... Yeah, what, you what mean you you, from Barcelona? Yeah, you mean Juan Laporta didn't wave his magic wand and sign a bunch of top players and everything was fixed. I thought that's... I, I mean, it looked a... like that at some point, but, but surprisingly, it, it hasn't been like that. Yeah, well, well he's football. picking the team at the moment. So. <laughs> Is he really? <laughs> what yeah, could yeah. possibly go wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in fact, you know what? I'm going to ask you really quickly before we start talking about City. So, Javi, um, do you think that he will keep his job in the summer? I think that right now the ideal scenario that the club is working in is to wait until the summer, yeah. Um, and and yeah, basically to see if Xavi like has done the work that that they expected. But like the noise around here is that they fear that they might not be able to wait until the summer uh, wow. because ra- right now Xavi is like seven points away from Real Madrid. Girona can go like ten points ahead to, tonight if they win against mm. rele- uh, relegation side Alaves. Um, so it's not a great look. Um, and the problem in Barcelona, like sometimes like, um, in football, there's a tendency to analyze like everything about the results and about the performances, but in Barcelona, like we tend to try to look at the way the foot, the, the team is playing and just yeah. no matter what, what the results are, like make your assessment football wise, right? But football wise, like the team is not ticking, the team is not ticking, the team is, I think that Barcelona has a decent bunch of footballers to play better for, to play better football than they are and that's the main problem here that was mm. the thing that that the club executive wanted to see improvements on and they haven't arrived basically Xavi hasn't delivered so far uh, but yeah let's see I think that they will wait until January because there is the Spanish Super Cup they will probably play against Real Madrid a win against Real Madrid can spark things up in Barcelona and can give like the board an excuse to wait until summer so let's see what what's what happened in the coming months what's more interesting covering city in manchester or covering barcelona in barcelona uh from a news wise perspective and like I, I am from barcelona i'm catalan i know like the identity of the club it's an exciting time to be in barcelona if i'm honest but if you want to see good football there's no better place than manchester right now in the whole world uh, and 
entire reality. Then, like, um, health-wise, I was in a better place <laughs> covering Man City <laughs> as well. But, but yeah, no, I, I'm just joking. Um, I also love this fact of, like, being in a club where so many things are happening. So, mm. I mean, it, it has the good things and the bad things, but I, I, I cannot complain. I still follow City whenever I want to watch, like, real football, so I still have... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, the Barcelona fans are going to kill me. I'm, I'm just joking. Please, don't take my words like too Listen, much. Listen, I've got to be honest with you. The last 20 minutes of Palace didn't really feel like real football true, to true, me. True, but, true. you know, if, if that's, that's the best football in the world, uh, I'd hate no, to see yeah, the worst. Yeah. That's absolutely true. All right, so listen, we, we can't avoid it any longer. Uh, City played Crystal Palace at the Etihad on, on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. Um, how would I start with you? Uh, Anything in the lineup that bothered you or that surprised you? I guess with injuries and and no. fitness issues, it, it was what it was, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I barely gave it any notice because you know me, who would never be complacent or take anything for granted. I don't think it mattered. I, you know, part of the utter frustration, as we will get to it all, was we were playing probably the worst Crystal Palace side we will ever face, which mm. is not a dig at Crystal Palace, but considering four of their best players were out anyway, and the fact that they're not in a good run anyway and the manager's on the brink, it was like, yeah, you, you look at the City lineup and, and whatever it is, you go, yep, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Rico Lewis may be a bit of a surprise, but again, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I have my own doubts. I think Rico Lewis is top class, will be top class. He's top class for his age and will be there. I still don't think he's ready for certain roles, you know, playing matches yet. I don't think he's quite there. He's just on a stratospheric upward curve, basically. And I still don't think he's ahead of players like even that perhaps Pep doesn't trust, like Nunes or Kovacic. But for this game, it, it absolutely didn't matter. It's like, yeah, if you are going to get Rico Lewis playing in this side this is an you know or further up or not right back this is a perfect time to do it so absolutely fine with the team it was 100 times good enough to win this game comfortably Paul um should we read anything into the fact that Kovacic and Nunes spend 90 minutes on the bench and, and more importantly neither of them get a start that Rico is trusted ahead of the pair of them yeah i mean um just Unlike Howard here, I think that Rico Lewis probably is. If if Bernardo Silva is not playing there, Rico Lewis is probably like the best suited man to play close to Rodri and like to go up a bit farther up on the pitch. I think he's ready to play that role, um, and I see why Pep trusts him. And then like touching the point that you are suggesting here, and just like yeah, um, insisting that now I'm not that much involved with the daily activity with the club, but. I mean, I just feel that City has a worse team than 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 last season. Mm. That's that's like the starting point. Um, you've lost Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne um, because he's not going to play until February, I think. Um, and then now you have a couple of guys, Mateus Nunes. I think that he can end end up being like a really usable City player. Uh, and Kovacic, I think it's a good signing as well because it was quite cheap. But I mean, they are going through what you expect from any signing from City. Like, even Bernardo Silva or Rodri, they, they, they just needed this year just to get up to speed and just basically to learn everything. And, and I feel that those two players are just going through that and they are not Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan. Mm -hmm. um, so in tough moments, I feel that 
Pep wants to rely on players that have been with the team more time, and that's mm. not the case with those last two guys. Um, and yeah, um, that's that's what making City like a struggle in some games this, this season. I wouldn't say that this was the reason of why City lost two points against Crystal Palace, in my opinion. Because no. as you were saying, I, I think that it was like a... was a typical... I, I mean, City has played this game a lot of times. Yeah. This this like setup that, that Roy Hodgson um, put, used, basically. It's like the typical setup that Pep um get used to play against when he was at Barcelona like all the teams were like just putting man into the middle of the pitch just l leaving the wings just open free and then you, you have to deal with it so I don't think that it was a matter of like City facing um like an idea that that they weren't used to face it was just a matter of like yeah not not blink not being clinical enough and I think that when teams play against Man City they are not able to be better than them, but when teams play against the fear of losing of Man City, they are able to toy with Man City. Hmm. That's why I sent. I think it might actually have been better if Eze, Edward, Ayu had all been on the pitch. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think in the end, uh, not complacency, that was the wrong word, but the fact that you know, Roy Hodgson wanted to play dead and how City approached that match, especially after going 2 0 up. Maybe fed into the feeling that well they're not hurting us anyway. Uh, whereas there might have been more of a focus if they had their most dangerous players on the pitch. But I mean, look, I think not really an excuse. But no, and I think that when we when we touch upon that later, uh, we'll in fact we'll deal with that fuckery later. Um, to begin with, Howard, how did how did City, I mean, you know, we we always have this. It's almost like a cliche now that you kind of know which version in a game like this at home against lower half of the table opposition, you know in the first 20 minutes what sort of City team and performance you're going to get. So what was your vibe when once the game's kicked off in the stadium, 15, 20 minutes in, how are you feeling? Bored, <laughs> I think. Uh, I don't think you did know this because of how Palace were going to sell. Well, I said on the Friday show, didn't oh, it's like, I think we're going to have to be patient in this game because we're not going to be... Yeah, they're down to the bare bones and on the arse, basically, in the league. But they're just going to sit there and we're not going to be 3-0 up after 10 minutes. It's going to, We're going to have to pass it, pass it, patient. And the gaps will appear type performance. And that's how it played out. And when you're playing against a team like this that's playing this way, I don't think you do know that much about City. It's not like one or the other, like, oh, they're really on it today. Or, oh my God, they're off it today. It was somewhere in the middle where it's just pass our ways, pass our ways, pro, pro, pro. Being after 50 minutes, I'm pretty relaxed, let's put it that way, because it really does look as though they're not going to come out of their box for 90 minutes and City just need a chance. It was one of those games where even I, who may be portrayed as a pessimist by many people, <laughs> would say that get go 1-0 up and this game's probably over. But with the huge caveat, City this season haven't kept clean sheets. But, yeah, it it was, it was honestly, it was a dull, boring game. Not mm. not blaming anyone because of the setup and because, I, I wouldn't say it was City at the top, absolutely. It was more sideways, sideways, sideways. Bernardo Silva, you know he's going to cut back inside and not go down the line. Probing, probing, but not many chances again. 
again, not creating many chances and not very exciting. But I was pretty relaxed because it did feel at some point, it might even be the second half, you know, you could see this being nil-nil at half-time. But it felt like this was winding its way towards an inevitable 2 or 3-0 victory. Mm. I mean, I think you've been a bit harsh there, you know, Howard. I, I, maybe I'll throw well, this over to Paul. Ju- just to on. have a go at myself, it's that stat, Asan, <laughs> <laughs> that every outfield player created a chance in this yeah. first half, mm. which I don't think's ever happened before. And it's just not how I remember it. I'm not having that description. I'm not having a dig at City in a way. It's it was how the game was probably or inevitably going to play out because of how Palace set up. But I just did find it pretty dull at the time in the ground. I don't know. It just wasn't. Maybe that just says more about modern football and how I'm feeling at the moment. So I think it was. But yeah. More- yeah, I think it was more down to Crystal Palace, the fact that it was this tool. Because mm. after 30 minutes, they had the feeling that City could have gone like 3-0 three, three up. They, they they just had the chance to be like 3-0 up after 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've been like a massive defender, uh, a massive like guy in favour of Jack Grealish. And, and I still am. And I, and I think that he, he played a good game. Of course, he scored a goal. But on that game... We, your problem is Jeremy Doku, because when you have like mm. this, like like just the wings, so free, um, you need at least an, on on one side just a guy that just takes on defenders. Because like the fact that they they were concentrating so many players on the inside channels, that they just left like like B- B- Bernardo Silva and just Guardiola, who was playing as a winger most of the time. Um, just, just, just alone on their against their their like fullbacks, so it was a perfect day, I, I guess, for Jeremy Doku. At the same time, I still think that Jack Grealish will be needed by Man City, especially like in big big games, because I don't think that I think that City without Gundogan, as I was saying, and probably without Kevin De Bruyne, they have lost a bit of like of those players who know how to deal with the tempo of the game. Mm. Uh, players who know how to read when the teams need to be slower and when, yeah, and when they need just to cut inside. I think I don't think that Phil Foden, among all the incredible virtues that that he has, I don't think that it's his strongest point because when Phil Foden he gets the ball, he wants to score a goal. He just gets the ball and just looks at the opposition uh, goal and just try to create danger, which is a brilliant thing to have. But yeah, I think that Jack Rillage is going to be a or has to be a really important player this season and has to evolve and will evolve. I think that, I think I heard him like a couple of weeks ago saying that he wants to learn like the role of being a number eight or like a left inside attacking mi- 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 midfielder, something that can be like interesting. Uh, but, but, but yeah, having said that, I think that it was a game for Jeremy Doku as well. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know why I'm wondering all this because this was a game that City had to win like four. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.